Hey everyone, it's me, Sean Capri. I'm glad you're here because you're listening to the most horse-powerful podcast on the internet. It's the Xbox Drive. I'm on a Skype call with my friend Ryan Turford. He's the man on the moose. And on our journey today, I played Cyberpunk and there's a bunch of games coming into Game Pass. There's other games leaving Game Pass. I think we got some questions for you. So let's jump on into the Xbox Drive. Ball one breath. Ah. Greater than X. Hello, Sean Capri. If I can add Ryan Turford, if I can add a James Headfield from Metallica, ooh, yeah, to my bar, <laughs> then I will, man. I'm feeling, I'm feeling fine. If people are watching on the YouTube video, I just had the final sips of my coffee. The little, the last actual drips yeah. got me fired up, man. I'm in a weird mood today, dude. I've been podcasting since seven in the morning. I've been meetings all day. I'm talking to you about video games. What a life, man. Holy crap. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, doing well. I'm not, not as crazy <laughs> as you, I guess. I mean, I was up early this morning. I was telling Sean before we got started that the fire alarm in my building went off at 730 this morning and Unacceptable. I couldn't get back to sleep. And I was I mean, I was up playing, you know, video games and watching anime until four in the morning last night, as I usually do. Mm. So it's one of those things where I'm, I'm also on like part of the no sleep club today. So it's very exciting. Yeah. This could either be one of the wackiest shows or it could be like one of the most energetic shows. Who knows? Who knows? It could be anything, as a wise man once said, Ryan Turford. It could be anything. What a good time it is, by the way, to be a fan of video games and anime. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we're getting into it today, but like that Crunchyroll deal? Yeah. Pretty big deal. Yeah, Lots I was of video say, games we're not going to talk about it on mm-hmm. any of these shows, but uh, I mean, I'm pretty excited about that deal between Crunchyroll and Funimation. Yeah. Where now we've got one place where you find all, pretty much all the anime now, which is just awesome to hear but enough we about have to anime. Start a channel in the discord no not 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 yet not yet oh, not geez. enough about anime we have to start a, a weebs unite channel in uh in the discord i think it's gonna happen man i was starting to share and take over the the comic book section sean with manga yeah, for a bit there exactly. um but but i just i don't have enough coming in you know consistently to be able to do that all on my own so at some let point let us know in the comments below do you guys need a an anime channel in the discord like let's do this man yeah i mean I'll, just to throw it out there sean i proposed an anime channel in the discord a year ago and and it's still yeah hasn't but yet. you know Let's let's hear from let's hear from the friends. Anyways, okay. let's clear the garage a little bit because <laughs> this is an Xbox that. show, not an anime show. <laughs> so folks at home, if you want to support the show, there's a number of awesome ways to do that. Of course, number one, you can subscribe to us on your podcast feed of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or all the places you find podcasts. So check us out there. Of course, leave a rating if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Maybe leave us an Apple Podcast review and maybe we'll read it on the show. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, share, binge, ding, 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 ring that bell because, I mean, people on YouTube tell you to do that. But also it helps the algorithm. It helps people discover the show. So do that as well. Also, if you want early access to this and all of our shows, hand over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Capri. We've got early access over there as well. Some other goodies over there. So check us out over there. And then last but not least, Sean, Gaming for Guru is back. We're, we're, we're raising money for uh, for a great charity and uh, tell us all about it. Yeah, man. Gaming for Guru, uh, for anybody who's new to the show in the last year might not recall um, that last year, our good friend Bobby Paul's the Nintendo Guru. He was in the hospital for, gosh, for far too long, over 100 days in the hospital with COVID-19. Uh, we hosted alongside a ton of other amazing independent content creators, a weekend of streaming where we were raising money for his GoFundMe to try and cover some of the medical bills and things like that. Unfortunately, um, Bobby passed away shortly after that. And, but we want to continue to celebrate his life, his legacy, his impact, the way that he brought people together through video games. And he showed many of us just what it meant to 
like bust your ass in making content, man. Like he really, he really changed a lot of people's lives. So we want to continue to celebrate Bobby and the Nintendo Guru. And so Gaming for Guru is back March 4th to 6th. There's a bunch of content creators out there um, streaming content, which is great. We're raising money for the Autism Society of America, which is great. We have a $5,000 goal, which we're going to crush. And part of the reason I'm so confident in that is because we have so many great content creators and because the community is always so generous, but also we've got some really awesome prizes to give away for uh, every $10 that you donate, you get one entry in. Some people have already started donating, so they're already got a chance, but some great prizes include a Nintendo Switch provided by freaking Lee Navarro from the Phoenix Overdrive, also a wonderful supporter of all of our shows. I uh, freaking love Lee. Um, but he's making sure that a lot of people have uh, draw a lot of attention to uh, donating to this. We've got a lot of Game Pass codes to give away thanks to Xbox Canada. We got Ubisoft games coming in thanks to Ubisoft Canada. We've got Hot Wheels Unleashed on pretty much every platform thanks to our friends at Deep Silver and more codes to be won. So um, check out all the streams. We'll be tweeting about it all weekend. Myself, I will be streaming at twitch.tv slash Sean Capri on Sunday, March 6th from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. A 12-hour stream in dedication to Bobby. Probably playing a lot of uh, Nintendo stuff, actually, mm -hmm. a lot of Mario Kart and Splatoon, things like that, but probably jump on Halo, I would say, but really a community-driven day. We're going to have sweet hangs, uh, play some video games, raise some money, and I just thank you, Ryan, and thanks, everybody, for letting me uh, chat about that for a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and, and again, huge thank you for putting that together and for, for promoting and, and doing the stream this weekend. I think they're going to be a lot of fun, and it sounds like there's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of great prizes, so folks at home, if you want to get in on some of those prices, of course, we left a link in the show notes to go no date. Um, Sean didn't yep. put in the, the, the notes here, but I'm going to do that afterwards. Bit.ly sure slash guru2022 is the easiest way to go about it. But yeah, the links should be in the show notes as well. And yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that's an easy way you can go find the, the fundraising page. Yeah, and, and there, might, there might even be some prizes from Ryan Turford coming your way. Wink, wink. Oh. From, uh, from there that Sean doesn't even know about yet because the first time. I'm, I didn't I'm even mention all the prizes. <laughs> that's the thing. I didn't want to take up four days, but there's oh, yeah. tons of prizes. I was going to say, there's a lot. There's a lot. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, there you very go. cool. Anyways, let's grab our eight tracks, pop them in. It's time for the playlist, Sean, because we got to get the show moving. Um, so what'd you play with this week, my friend? I see an interesting choice listed here under your name. Mm, uh, what is the saying? Wake up, samurai. We got a city to burn. Played some cyberpunk, man. Yeah. Played it on Xbox Series X. Thank you to CD Projekt Red for providing the code. And I streamed the first hour of it on this uh, over the weekend, and I feel like, like I'm really liking it, man. <laughs> actually, like I'm I'm really confused actually as to how to really cover this because there's a story to tell, and I'm missing the first part, like the first half of it. I didn't play it when it first came out. I definitely was very thrown off on the review process, the way that that was handled, and the way the game was released. I was very conflicted about that not even conflicted i just didn't like it there's no conflicted about it i don't i don't think that was right at all mm -hmm. um but i am conflicted now because i don't know what the game was like i actually didn't play it before on series x all i have now is the way that it's running and from all i can tell like it runs fine <laughs> like yeah. it runs runs pretty well i'm playing on performance mode on series x which is very very smooth and it looks very very cool um but I flipped it over to ray tracing just to talk about the technical stuff. And like, I don't, I, I, I think I just default ray tracing off, man. Yeah. It is not worth the frame drop, you know, which, which it is. It's there on, on the series X. We, we definitely need, we still need a couple more teraflops, one or two, maybe more teraflops of, uh, of power here to really power the ray tracing and not have the, 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 the concession of, of frames. So mm -hmm. that's the technical side of it. 
but man, I'm kind of just like loving this game, dude. Like the soundtrack is great. I feel like the characters have a lot of really interesting thing to say. And it does the thing that I need more games to do. Honestly, like I talk about the first hour for a reason because that game grabs me in the first hour. Thank Mm. you. It's got a great character creator. I think that was great. Happens as I I learned afterwards, my dad was watching that character, that that, that stream. He was on stream. So thankfully, I I turned the nudity sensor on. So I think my guy was wearing underwear. I think that's the main difference. And that is the main difference. Schlong not swinging around. Yeah. (laughs) So the, the one and the funny thing is my dad calls me up. He's like, hey, I was I was um, watching your podcast. And I'm like, what podcast were you watching? <laughs> He's like, oh, you're like you were playing the, the character creator thing. I'm like, oh, my stream. Like he calls my stream a, a podcast. So of course. Very I mean, confusing. your stream is kind of like a podcast, Sean. Just throwing it out. That's there. true. Uh, don't, uh, don't I need to send over like a glossary of nerd terms over there over there. But um, game is very cool, man. I really am enjoy- like the way that it grabbed me in the in the start is. I don't know what to make of all these characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like I don't have a lot of choice in some of these in some of these cases, and people seem to own me. So I'm already there, and that's what role playing games and story based games need to do way better. And I'm so glad that this game has done that. Mm-hmm. I'm still only a couple hours in, but I like the way that it feels. I dude, first time I grabbed a sword. Yes, I forgot there was a sword in this game. Yeah. I'm slicing people up, and oh my gosh, so good. That's awesome, man. But you played this game. Yeah, you played this, this goes game. back like, to our conversation we had, you know, last year where right. I was playing on PlayStation 4 Pro of all consoles, Sean, and, and it was right. a miserable experience playing-wise, but I stick, stuck with it. I never finished it, but I stuck with it enough to play like 20 hours of the game because I really yeah. enjoyed the game itself. Like, I felt at the time, if it didn't have the performance issues, it would have been a game of the year contender, for that yeah. year. And in fact, we did see some outlets nominate the PC version for game of the year that they that they did for that year. Um, in particular, like IGN, for example, I know did that in, in particular. So, um, yeah, I think that I'm glad that you're liking it because I, I you took my advice because we had talked about it because uh, I remember you had bought a copy. It was sealed and mm-hmm. you had basically I asked two me copies to play it. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You asked me if you, you should <laughs> play accident. it. And I basically was like, no, just wait until the patch yeah. comes out. And if you want to return it and buy it later yeah. than do that um because it and and inevitably went on sale for like ten dollars um and i talked about that i think a week ago when i jumped back into cyberpunk as well um where i also bought i had bought like a physical copy of it for ten dollars like yep. four or five months ago and it just left it sealed from the source waiting, Did you waiting. Get from the source no it was uh i think it was from walmart walmart canada um, I tried to get it from the source. Shout out to Court Lalonde. Yeah. He so that, 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 I had kept it sealed mm. for like four or five months waiting for the moment when the patch would come out. And then it's finally here. Uh, but it's just, here we are. we're in the moment. <laughs> in the middle where of February. <laughs> we're in the middle of the, the, like Game Again at the moment. Whereas Game there's just too many games, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, which is why I just haven't gone back to Cyberpunk. But I'm glad you're enjoying it, Sean. And I'm, I'm glad you took my advice at the time because I, I think that, you know, the playing the game when it came out, probably would have soured your experience a little bit on the game, especially with the performance issues. Oh, there's no doubt. Um, so, so it's a good thing you waited because now you get to experience this incredible game well, that actually runs properly. The way I'm torn on that, on that side. Cause I remember like, I remember the, holding the game in my hands going like, there's other games vying for my attention at this point, And this one is busted and broken. So I won't, I won't play it now. So it wasn't really a hard decision at all, but yeah, here we are. 
I've got, I just picked up Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, which I talked about last week, I think. And um, I got a new graphics card, by yep. the way. Got all the teraflops on my PC, which was very, very cool. Thank you, Best Buy Canada, that I, I actually could, I'm saying thank you as if they gave it to me. Yep. Like, thank you for allowing me to purchase this expensive piece of, of, of gear for my computer. Thank you for allowing Sean um, to go to the store and go buy it and pay physical money Seriously. For it. I've got this on the go. I've got Pokemon on the go. I've got, yeah, Destiny. I've got Horizon. Like, there's Project Strategy. I keep saying Project Triangle Strategy. It's Project Triangle Strategy in my heart. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's coming out in, like, two days here. Yeah. So there's lots of games coming around here. I don't know that I would be... I, I would understand if other people aren't playing it right now. Like, this is really, like, I got a code. I'm happy to provide coverage on it. I'm happy to play it because I, like... I want to just try to separate as much as possible from all the narrative about it. I just want to experience mm-hmm. the game. And it seems like it's really deep, man. I, I, I pulled a, a woman who I thought was dead in a ice bath of some sort. And just like they put her out on a, on a balcony and these dudes come in and take her away. It's like, what is happening? And what is my friend? And is he the guy who I remember getting shot up like crazy in the, in the trailer at E3 forever ago? Like this game like I think Donnie is on the same pace too at play some video games. I think he's really enjoying it as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see it. I think we we should be able to look at a game for what it is, but I am I have to admit it's it's really difficult for me to like walk down the hall and go, what was this like before? Yeah. Or to walk outside and go, what was what was the problem with the traffic and is it still here? I can't speak to it. I can't speak to the improvements really that they've made. So I'll but, continue playing it though, man. But in a way it's good because yes, it it had those problems before, but that's not the experience anyone's going to have now if they pick up the game and play it. So um, I yes, guess it's I just important, don't know what I would notice. Talking point, but I don't, yeah, I don't think it matters too much now in the grand scheme of things. Because again, I think most people who jump in now are not going to play that version anyways. Yeah. So well, I think what happened, and I, again, I wasn't really there playing it, but I think sometimes what can happen is once a game starts to show some rough edges, then everything's under the microscope. Right. It's like Assassin's Creed had that one. Remember that year where it's like the skull or the eyeballs and the mouth and yeah. like, unity, you know, it's like one rare instance. Yeah. And then everybody went like just looking for stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think that might've happened with, I don't know, maybe cyberpunk might've been more prevalent than that, but I was yeah, going to say, as someone who played cyberpunk, it was definitely more prevalent. There's, <laughs> you weren't going looking, you weren't scouring for no. stuff. It was just, no. Yeah. More problems. Yeah. They, they, when when problems. the game when the game crashes, you know, ten times in half an hour, you know, it's not just yeah. a one off bug. Especially when it's not mm-hmm. ju- it's not just doing anything specific. It's just like, nope. It it just doesn't feel like playing anymore. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, anyways, well, we should probably cool. talk about playing this other man. Oh yeah, other games. Okay, other games. Sure. Sean, I played this little game that Joey Splats was apparently very excited in the Discord to, for me to talk about. There's a little game called Elden Ring, Sean. I don't know if you've heard of this game, you know, small oh, indie title that maybe no. I have heard of this game. Yeah, I have heard of it. And primarily because it is slingshotted you and I way ahead of the trophy room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players hosted by Mr. Badbit, Mr. K step over there. We have a friendly competition with a fantasy league or fantasy critic league. And man, we are just crushing those idiots over there, man. We are just annihilating. Thanks to. Elden Ring, like best yeah. game reviewed in decades or whatever, man. Yeah, it's it's actually at this point, it's like the fourth or fifth best highest rated game of all time. Go get them on Metacritic. And then on Open Critic, it's the second highest rated game of all time. So that's crazy. It doesn't have like performance issues, though. Like, how do you feel about this? Ryan? Tell me about this game. So, you know how people would criticize criticize Pokemon Legends Arceus for like a bunch of grass popping and stuff like that with with the visuals. Mm -hmm. Well, this game does the exact same thing. (laughs) Like you're walking around (laughs) playing on Xbox Series X and like there's grass popping like 
10 feet in front mm. of your character. So there are there are little quips like that or just the frame rates just like all over the place with this game. Uh, like Digital Foundry actually did like a really good um, breakdown of the, the frame rates um, with the console versions. And in particular on Xbox, it's really unwe- un- unwieldy to the point where like if you play in the frame rate road, the frame rate goes anywhere between 25 frames per second and 60 frames per second. And it's kind of oh. just like all over the place. Is that really? Yeah. Really? How is this a 90? How is this? Like, how does that happen? I have an issue with that, man. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. So because obviously we're not going to do like at this point, I don't think we're going to do a, a Yumi Capri review for Elden Ring, or at least I'm, I'm probably not going to be sitting on it. So I actually did some due diligence it. and did read some of the reviews for the game, which I normally don't do if I'm going to be reviewing a game on the channel. Right. And a lot of the reviews talked about that stuff, but they didn't like, it didn't hamper their enjoyment of the ding, game. Ding it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and to be, to, to, to totally be fair when during my own playtime experience with the game, Yes, you could definitely notice it, and it took you out of the experience a little bit, but it also didn't hamper my enjoyment of the game either. Um, I actually think that the game played super well, but at the same time, if I was reviewing it, I would probably ding it a couple points and not give it a 10 out of 10. Like, yeah, uh, at least like 60 to 70 percent of the outlets gave it 10 out of 10. Um, So I don't think it's a 10 out of 10 experience, but it's probably the best Souls-like game ever made at this point. And can you can can I ask? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if you're into this type of game, this is probably like the best, the, the greatest game ever made to you. Um, that's kind of how I look at this uh, <laughs> scenario because um, it basically takes all of the ideas and combat from Dark Souls, but then adds this giant open world to it that is like basically adds like 80 to 100 hours of content to go explore. It mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of a mix between like something like breath of the wild and metal gear solid five. Um, whereas it is essentially taking a combat engine and a gameplay style that that's, mo- that was mostly linear and then adding this open world element to it. And that kind of changes everything, especially get what reminds me about breath of the wild with this game is how they, they don't really tell you where to go. Like there's like a little hint as like, here's the direction if you want to progress the story kind of thing. But this game really encourages you to go explore. They don't give you the whole map to begin with. In fact, you start out with no map essentially, and you essentially have to like find the maps of the different environments as you progress through the game. Um, but it, it really promotes exploration in the same way that I haven't felt in a game like breath of the wild. However, hmm. I will say, and I've talked about this on, on Twitter a little bit, um, but that type of exploration style is not, always my personal jam. Um, and it's something where like, unless there's a story hook or, or something like that on top of that, there's, I always find that there's not enough carrot on the end of the stick to have me continue with an experience past, you know, the 30 hour point or something like that. So that's where I hit with Elden ring, Sean, because I played 30 hours of this game in four days. And good uh, God, take it easy, man. Uh, I mean, but <laughs> I, mean, again, I wasn't rushing through it because I wanted to, you know, talk about it. I was right. playing it at the pace that, you know, I was enjoying it at essentially where nice. I was, I was because I, I don't really like the clunkiness of, and, and the claustrophobia of the souls, like Souls series games. Um, but introducing that combat system in an open world actually like makes it, it opens up a bunch of new possibilities. For example, if you find like a really tough boss in the environment, 
you don't have to stay and fight that boss. You, the boss is not blocking your progress like in a previous Souls game, where essentially you just have to try over and over again until you oh, kill that boss. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You mm-hmm. can basically just run in the other direction and go find something yeah. else to do and grind mm. uh, grind levels or get more get more gear and then go back and face that boss later. Um, it, it's really open-ended in its game design, and you basically just play it how you like to play it. So again, if you like that the, the, those aspects from something like Breath of the Wild, and I think this game is going to be up your alley, even if you're not, even if a previous Souls game probably didn't rope you in. However. Okay, okay but I, I have a question. I have a question. Okay, Good okay, God, Sean. take a breath. Okay. Um, what is this game? What, where are you? Like, I don't, like, I, I keep hearing, is, this isn't Lord of the Rings, like Donnie Reese thought. What, like, what, tell me about the setting. Where are you? Like, because with Bloodborne, I love Bloodborne in that it was super gothic. You're just crazy monsters. Is this like, sort of like medieval fantasy, like dark, uh, like Dark Souls was? Like, where, where am I? What is this world? Cause kind of like combat gameplay, I, th- I feel like I get an understanding of like what this is. Everybody mm-hmm. talks about Souls likes game, but, there's kind of an important man who like gave the premise and the story behind this. Like I, I, and I legitimately don't know anything about it. So here's the fun part, Sean, is that I, I haven't really investigated any of this story stuff <laughs> the entire time. Like th- there's an intro cutscene, and then you get some, some cutscenes with, with an important <laughs> character that again, I don't want to spoil. Okay. This is why you were talking For, to it. Okay. Yeah, I get it. But again, the story to me is not a super important part of the experience. Sure. It's not, it, it's more about, you know, environmental storytelling, almost something like sure. Super Metroid versus it trying to tell you a narrative of some kind, because George so R. R. Martin setting, like, where are we? So, where are, what kind of monsters are you fighting? So this is basically a God, gothic fantasy medieval fantasy world essentially Mm -hmm. um and most of the enemies that you're fighting are enemies you probably find in dark souls you've got you know human human uh enemies like knights and uh dudes dressed in armor with spears and swords and shields and stuff like that to giant dragons to a whole bunch of like weird monsters um like you there's a lot of like um crystal golem people that you have to fight um and then depending on what weapon you're using for example um if you use a sword on them basically your sword bounces off of them so you need to use something like a mace or an axe to kind of take them down um that's how you're eevee yeah exactly and then (laughs) you're uh, pikachu and then you you've got a lot of you know demonic (laughs) characters and demigods and, and and stuff like that so pretty much like they, they kind of Gothic throw like every fantasy. fantasy enemy type at you throughout the course of the nice. game. There's giant spiders. Like there's, you know, giant rats. There's all kinds oh, of crazy yeah, spiders, crazy stuff. So, but again, it's very reminiscent of the enemies you'd fight in a Dark Souls game. So if you've, you've played those that's games before, you kind of know the fare of what you're fighting. It's crazy that it's not more in your face. Maybe that's the best part. Maybe that's what people are liking about it is that they probably could get really up in your face. Like we got, we got this guy. What is it? Is it? George R. R. Martin, like, is yep. that, that's the guy, right? I'm bouncing around. Yep. Um, yeah, like, but they could, they really could, like, slam that down your throat, but they don't. Like, it's still a Souls game. It's still the mm-hmm. gameplay everybody knows and loves, just open world, and you're smashing monsters. Very cool, man. Yeah, essentially, George R. R. Martin created the world, and there is there are light story elements to it. Yeah. But I just personally didn't find the story that interesting. And I mean, I heard they limited the, his scope. They're like, that's enough. Like, now get out. Like, they just yeah. like, kicked him out of the room. <laughs> actually kick my humidifier my goodness gracious as if it was george r. r martin within the studio i did so. there's water everywhere on my floor right now right? <laughs> oh my god john <laughs> um, i didn't even know who put that there 
but yeah, so I really enjoyed Elden Ring more than I thought I, I, I was going to. Again, I didn't buy it because of the reviews. I actually had girdered it before then because I was watching a live stream and I'm I thought, tempted. hey, it looks like the, the this open world combat seems really interesting to me and I, and I want to try it out. But I've definitely put the game down now at this point, you know, 30 hours in. And I don't know if I ever go back to this game, but I had so much fun in those 30 hours that I still recommend the game regardless of even if you play it for 30 hours, Sean, and give up, you're st- I think you're still going to have a great time with this game. You are uh, an especially amazing if you person. Like exploration. But uh, <laughs> what in the world. But yeah, it's just because there and, and again, I'm putting it down because there's not a, enough carrot on the end of the stick to, to motivate me to keep exploring because sure. I'm just not the type of person that likes exploring large open worlds for the sake of exploring them. That, that's just mm. not really you know, my jam. It's, it's part of the reason I, I, why I wasn't super into Forza in, a, in the way a lot of people were, because I'm just not into exploring these giant open worlds. It's just not really my Got thing. Got it. I'm more about the story. So, uh, but yeah, I, I recommend checking it out, even if you don't like Souls games. In fact, it's more approachable than most Souls games, because there's even a tutorial in the game, Sean. There's a tutorial dungeon that you go on, and it teaches you all the mechanics and everything you need to know about the experience. So I, I think there's a lot for new players as well to kind of get into this, but it's still really hard. So if, if you don't like hard <laughs> nice. games, this is still not for you kind of thing. Yeah. But. I'm very tempted, man. It's really just a function of everything else I've got going on. But yeah, like this is, this is one I want. I I love Bloodborne. I want to try this one out every, and how do you ignore something like this? 96 on Metacritic? Like how do you, I know scores and there's a lot of conversations about that, but like, it's tough yeah. to just look the other way when something like that happens. For sure. Anyways, we got to get the rest of the show moving. So let's slam the brakes on this conversation. It's time for some breaking news. It's a slow news week, Sean, but uh, we have a lot of questions regarding the news. So we should get into this. So first up, we got our first Game Pass drop for March. And of course, the following games are out right now. At the time you're listening to this, we got Far Changing Tides. Microsoft Flight Simulator comes to cloud. Now, normally we don't talk about cloud games in the uh, in kind of the, the Game Pass breakdown, but this one's important because now it's playable on Xbox One by game streaming because there's no Xbox That's One awesome. version of Flight Simulator, but now you can play it on Xbox One. Mm-hmm. You have to stream the game. But with a game like Flight Simulator, as John can probably attest to, like it doesn't require split second controls. So it's probably fine no. to stream. No, I agree. And you also, it's an enormous game too. So you might not even want to download it just to try yeah. it. So a great example of just go jump into it and play it right away. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And then the last game that's out today, Lightning Returns Final Fantasy 13, which is actually my favorite of the Final Fantasy 13 games. Um, and I think it's actually an underrated game. I think that game's a lot of fun. So um, this one I recommend checking out. But then on March 10th, we are getting Kentucky Route Zero. Lawn Mowing Simulator's finally coming out, Sean. Finally, uh, finally, yes. As, that's the title of the show as well as marvel's <laughs> guardians of the galaxy and Dude. young souls so lots of games guardians lots is the games. highlight there right like really that's the one that yeah that catches people's attention maybe makes people regret buying it four months ago or whatever it was yep. like this game just came out this is this is one of those things that i saw i think garrett bland from psvg mm-hmm. uh, and and co-host on the on the of course the rpg cave going like why do i buy games on xbox like yeah. and i get it it's a tough one. And, and one thing that I said to him was like, look at the games that we're going to get to in a second here. Like games that are leaving and like owning games is still a big deal. I think it's still an important part. We, we tend to think in binary when we talk about Game Pass, like you need it or you're not going to buy. Like I think there's still a space that even if you are a Game Pass subscriber, buying games kind of has a benefit. Yeah. So I wouldn't throw it out. 
for the sure. baby in the bathwater, I'm saying. Now, we're going to save our conversation on Guardians for just a second. We got, got some questions about okay. it. But I'm going to quickly run through the games that are leaving Game Pass, as you alluded to, on March 15th. Yeah. Near Automata is leaving. Play yeah. that while you still have the chance, or but pick it up now while it's on sale. Buy it. Uh, Fogs that came that Sean was showing me where it's had the, like the two dogs kind of connected together. They were like one being essentially. <laughs> I remember you l- laughing your butt off when they announced that. And then uh, yep. Torchlight Three and the Surge Two are also all leaving March fifteenth. So again, Near Automata is the big one there. Again, if you want it, mm-hmm. grab it now while it's on sale while you still got the chance. But anyways, Torchlight's good too. It wasn't there very long. It was a Diablo like game that wasn't there very long at all yeah exactly like a, a lot of these games are kind of disappearing pretty quickly like near has been around for a while but the Nier's rest of these games have been time. there yeah. for like less than a year so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but anyways let's get to some of these questions john because we had some questions about you know guardians specifically so let's start with yeah the muffin mon on the discordia Kevin. who asks Square Enix has now criticized the sales performance of Outriders, Avengers, Tomb Raider, and Guardians, but has added all of them to Game Pass. What is their thought process here, you think? So, obviously, there's this narrative out there that Square Enix always, you know, criticizes the sales numbers of all of their, you know, uh, Western releases, uh, like Tomb Raider, like Deus Ex, like Avengers, um, and they all end up on Game Pass. So, Sean, what do you think about uh, Kevin's question here? I mean, this is where somebody like Garrett might go, don't buy a game, just especially from the studio. If this is a pattern, then yeah, you might want to adjust um, your your thinking, which then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like even just acknowledging these things aren't aren't selling well. And then later, like this, this identifying this pattern leads people to not buy the game. They are gonna wait for it to come to Game Pass, which I completely understand. Um, and you know, even from day one, I think when Tomb Raider came out, they're like, it didn't really hit our expectations. I'm like, what were your expectations? <laughs> like that game sold exceptionally well, like compared to most. Well, so, it sold six million yeah, I think copies. There's a lot shot. going on. Yes, like, dude. That is amazing. What is wrong with you? Well, so, I think I think it came out I, later. I, I think they they said that they were expecting to hit 10 million copies instead of six. So like based on what? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm glad that they're open and honest with this kind of stuff. It is really interesting. I like hearing this. Like, what were their expectations? We don't really hear that from everybody. But yeah, it definitely creates a bit of a narrative that makes us think certain things. So I don't know what else there, there really is to say about it. But yeah, very weird. And don't buy Square Enix games, I guess. They'll come to Game Pass eventually. Yeah. Or day one, like Outriders. Or or at least like the Western releases. Stuff like Chrono Cross, for example, that's coming out in April. I think it'll be a long time before that one comes to Game Pass. Sorry, totally. That's what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but any the of the, any stuff, of their yeah. Western releases will probably come to Game Pass eventually. It's like it's it's something we're starting to see with stuff like Bandai Namco as well, um, which we're going to actually talk about one of those later in the show as well. So um, stay tuned for that. Stuff like Tales Guardians of Guardians suffered yeah. because of Marvel, though. Yeah, Guardians suffered because of the Avengers game. Like that's why people just didn't think that that was going to be a good game. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, if if it was opposite, then I actually think there would have been a, even more people playing Marvels and been disappointed by what that game ended up being. But yeah, there's definitely, there's a thread. And I'm actually amazed at how many people follow that thread or even know that a game is happening. Mm -hmm. So, Well, next up, we got Mark the Kernardian on Discord who asks the question, all right, Guardians hitting Game Pass is soon. That can't be good news for how well the game sold, which we just talked about. We were just chatting in the Secret Friends server, but I wanted to bring this question to you too for a different audience. Why do you think this universally praised, critically acclaimed game couldn't sell? Poor release timing, Avengers stink turned people away, Guardians is a franchise cooling due to Chris Pratt being, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, something else. I'm super curious where people stand on Guardians as a whole. So 
Yeah, I think we talked about it where you brought that up at least a little bit. I think a lot of it just had to do with Avengers, but also the marketing of the game, I think was pretty poor. Like when we saw it at E3 and we saw, you know, Star-Lord fighting Jello cubes, it's just like how entertaining that game really look at the time. Um, Whereas obviously when you get the full game, you know that, you know, those enemies appear in like a very small area, like in like the third mission and you never see them again. The rest of the enemies you fight are awesome. So it's so different from what they showed there combined with the fact too that when we first saw it, it almost looked like it was just single player Avengers. But again, when you get your hands on the game, it feels very different from how Avengers felt. So I I, I do think it's a combination of both. Uh, Mark, where I think it's a combination of Avengers, you know, being uh, being uh, like Avengers and then uh, the marketing for the game. And it, plus two, like around when the game was coming out, I don't know about you, Sean, but I didn't see like a lot of commercials or a lot of advertisements for the game anywhere. But but what do you think? No, definitely. Like, did it was it out to dry? I was agreeing with like everything that you're saying there. Like, yeah, absolutely. I think. Uh, I'm surprised. And I, I, do we get a number of, of copies sold no. or they, are they just back at us saying they're disappointed? So like they could be in, like maybe it sold five million copies and maybe there's really something weird else got it going on. They thought this was because it's a Disney power Marvel property that it should have sold gazillions of copies and it didn't. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know the relativity on that, but I'm a little bit surprised that there's still the narrative that it didn't sell well based on how positively everybody talked about it. Like it seemed like word of mouth might actually save this game. But to your point, like the first impression was horrendous. Like will go down as one of the worst ways to reveal a game. Um, but I mean, that's a complicated issue in that you don't want to overpromise. We've seen that. We've seen problems with that. We've seen puddles turn into not puddles or whatever the heck, but like they, they really didn't win many people over on the world's biggest stage for video games. So I think that was, that was a bit of a mess. So combination of stuff. I'd really like to know how many copies this thing sold. Yeah. And are they disappointed with 5 million copies? Cause they shouldn't be. I don't know. Well, if memory serves, I think they announced it was either last month or the month before that they, that the game had reached 3 million copies. So like, I still think it sold <laughs> a lot, but it's just, it's, a, you have to remember it's a Marvel game. I imagine the license yeah. is expensive and they probably needed it to come, bring in more copies than it probably did. Makes sense. But then yeah. last quick question comes to us from TPR on Discord, who asks, with Square bringing over Guardians of the Galaxy to Game Pass and Octopath Traveler being on there for a while, what's the over-under for six months post-release for Triangle Strategy to hit the service? So, Sean, when do we think the power of the triangle comes to Game Pass? I, I have a problem. Sometimes you ask me, like, what do I think of this question? Um, I think of this question, I think I, I, I'm confused by it. How do you have an over? It seems like the over under is on a yes or no. Yeah. Like, is it like, do you, do you, th- do do you think it'll hit in six months or not, Sean? Yeah, that's binary. It's not like an over, like the over under is like on points. Anyways, some people understand. Hey, what I I'm read the questions about. verbatim. I think, yes, I know. I'm criticizing the question. Sorry, Kevin. Anyways. Um, yeah, I think this is happening. Definitely. Will that stop me from buying it on Switch? Absolutely not. I'm going to be buying it in three days time. I've got like an hourly counter. I'm the first fanboy of Triangle Strategy. Absolutely. But I do hope that this comes to Game Pass. We need more games like that. Just super Japanese, super tactics, role playing, just like hardcore dorky stuff. Get it on Xbox, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I imagine that this comes to Xbox at some point. We don't know when it'll come to PC first. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. like I think in six months time, it'll mm. be on PC. And then maybe in a year it's on Xbox. That's kind of my like perfect on cloud even dude. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, especially with touch Tactics. controls, like you could totally play yep. it. Like, this is the game for touch controls if they wanted to do that. So that's right. Yeah. 
I, I would say at some point soon. But uh, Sean, I'm going to skip over one of our news stories and read this last one before we what? go to our last. We're running out of time. We can't. We don't can't be here all day. So Bandai Namco have announced <laughs> Pac-Man Museum Plus. Oh yeah, a collection featuring 14 Pac-Man titles as well as a customizable virtual arcade. It'll be coming to Xbox One on May 27th, and it'll be a day and date game pass release which is the first for bandai namco we haven't actually had like we've had a lot of bandai namco games come to game pass over the years like scarlet mm-hmm. nexus um code yep. vein and a bunch of other games dude where's tales but this is the first day and date bandai namco game bandai namco of course mm. really embracing the game pass model i'm excited to see more and, and yeah where's tales at this point who knows but this collection yep. john i don't know if you saw the trailer it looks awesome like i, lo- I really like for game pass and uh yes. yeah this is the perfect game pass game 14 awesome Pac-Man games. And I think this is great. I think this is good news. Yeah, man. I, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to more of this. Like we were just kind of, we started the new segment with um, talking about the games that are coming and the games that are leaving. We need bigger games, man. Like we, I don't think that we can settle in in Xbox land of like, Oh, a couple of mediocre games. Like it cannot do that. There's big games that are leaving game pass. We need big games to come back. I'm not trying to take anything away from Pac-Man, but like, this isn't necessarily a big game, <laughs> but it is something that I'll be checking out. And I, I, I will want to have on my Xbox for a long time. It's available on all the other consoles, but like, why would you ever get it? over there you get it on game pass here so yeah shout out to freaking bandai namco man this yeah. is awesome also i should correct myself because i'd forgotten about this actually this isn't the first one that that's dandy because taiko drum master was also day and date on game how pass could well. you forget i totally forgot about that game because i love that game um but that that was there as well and i think this no, is i'm glad you I saved yourself is, a comment i think this is the sign of things to come with bandai namco I, I think that they yep. might try this with some of their bigger games down the road especially because like with something like tales where we saw like 80 percent buy it on playstation 4 and then 15 percent bought it on xbox and then the other five (laughs) but on pc yeah like i I think that 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 might be something they try in the future but enough about that let's let some of our friends into the car with us it's time for the carpool we're to start with eric cave on youtube and i should have brought this up earlier when you're talking about cyberpunk but i'll read it here anyways it's not related to cyberpunk but he brings up some cyberpunk stuff he asks I hope you do get to play Cyberpunk now that it's been patched. I love my playthrough last year. This got me thinking about other games that launched badly and were later patched that are now great. Are there any examples of mm. games like this that are either of you, that you personally avoided at launch and later got really good after it was fixed with patches? Like, was there a game, Sean, besides Cyberpunk that you waited on uh, after hearing some launch issues and played it later after it was, after it was fixed? It's rare for me to actually jump back on, but there's a lot. I feel like this is a a, a long topic, actually, of games that launch poorly and um, eventually kind of fix themselves. Like this is that's the issue. Like there's so many games like that, but honestly, it's very rare for me to jump back on and go, "Oh, this is good now." Like I actually kind of having a hard time with this. I I'm re- I think it's remarkable, not necessarily that it was bug- buggy, but like Sea of Thieves is a great example of something mm-hmm. that um, didn't really. Hit, knock anybody's socks off at least not mine but had ta- had a, had legs on that one and also rainbow six uh siege did not uh, release all that well i don't know if it was buggy but it, it ended up finding an audience but yeah once like i said before first impressions are so important so yeah like if i if i find a game's not all that great mm, probably not coming back to it yeah for me a lot of times because due to the nature of just how i consume games a lot of times from most releases that I'm interested in, I usually play them day one. It's not very often that there's a game that came out, comes out much later that, you know, had a response like this that I didn't jump into at least first. Like stuff like No Man's Sky comes to mind because I played that at launch and it was real bad and it, and it got way better 
admittedly over time. Oh, that's a good example. But, yep. but there is one example of a game that, you know, had this miraculous turnaround that I jumped into later. And that was Final Fantasy 14, which of course is not on Xbox, mm, mm. but I never played yeah. the original version of Final Fantasy 14, the 1.0 version that was apparently terrible. I basically, I waited yeah. until a Realm Reborn, which was kind of the, the reboot of the entire game came out. And then that's how I got mm-hmm. my start into Final Fantasy 14. Now it's like one of my all time favorite games. Um, but yeah. I, I, that's really the only example for me personally that I can think of um, that, uh, that really fits this category, but uh, maybe bloodborne bloodborne had long low times at the start. And I got into it later when they fixed that, like that was a big part of the narrative around that game. Yeah. But uh, it, that game's, I don't know. I don't know how people go back to that game now. because it's, it's still rough with, because even the low times game on PlayStation 5 are not great. And it's, well, that's oh, debatable, snap. Sean. That's debatable. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to Mike at Blaze Knight 0923's question. He asks, with the announcement that Nintendo is shutting down the 3DS and Wii U eShops, do you fear that the Xbox 360 store will face a similar fate in the near future? Or is backwards compatibility component enough to keep the store open? So, Mike, I actually yes. think that, yeah, to your point, to what Sean was agreeing with, I think that they will never close the 360 store at this point. I think what will happen instead, and this is kind of what Microsoft's thing is, if they run out of the license to continue to sell a game, they'll just delist it. I think that that's kind of the the tack that they take because all because a lot of not all the backwards compatible games that are out right now, you can't buy all of those. Like 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, you can't buy that digitally. The only way to play that game is if what you outrage. You have to find a physical copy of that, which is like $200 now on eBay because. Uh, it shot up in price after they announced it coming to backwards compatibility or, or Otogi two was one that was like that for a while. And that game is also very, very expensive for a physical copy. Um, so no, I, I actually don't think they'll shut down the store and it's, I think it's because of backwards compatibility, but also I just don't think that Microsoft likes to shut that, shut down stores. Like the only reason they shut down the original Xbox is um, like online marketplace was uh, basically like it was it, like, they didn't want to keep the the, ca- the card shops open because it was detached from the 360 store. Whereas the 360 currency uh, and store itself is like baked into the same ecosystem as the current store is. So I don't think they'll actually ever shut it down. I think you'll, you'll just see delisting of games, but Sean, are you worried at all? No, this is a, this is a, <laughs> people get really, really upset about this, especially with Nintendo. And I, I get it because the games we want to play and we want to keep buying them and everything like that. But like you kind of had your chance, you know, like I, I, I get it, but you can't walk into a Best Buy and buy a VHS tape anymore. And you can't buy most DVDs anymore. Like sometimes things aren't, you can't buy them forever. I get the digital may seem weird because seem like it should just last forever, but I don't really get too bent out of shape about this. And especially in Xbox land, everything is being upheld. I would mm-hmm. say and in some cases with these acquisitions, that's the one thing that we can look forward to is like I, I think we talked about this when we learned about the active, uh, the Activision acquisition was like, well, let's look at that back catalog and like insert it back into the, into the, into the store. The thing that I'm kind of confused on with this, with this question that I don't really know how to wrap my head around is like, yeah, there is there a difference between a 360 storefront and the games that were available on 360 that you can now buy on Xbox One or Series X? Like, do you think that those things are different? And what will persist are the games that you can actually play on current hardware. And that's why I'm not really too concerned with it because those those things will align. Yeah. I'm not I'm not interested in keeping a legacy store around for hardware that I've got to go like dig up in my in my garage somewhere and like plug in. You know, that's just so it's not a very convenient 
thing to do. I don't know. Like I similarly like I don't want to buy a VHS tape because I don't want to dig up my VCR to play it play that movie. Like that's just not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I like the way that Microsoft is aligned on this. If you can buy the game, they are currently selling hardware that you can play that game on. That's yeah. all I want. Well there's also again there's 360 games on the 360 store that are not backwards compatible. So there is that right. element and, to but it. But eventually I think they so that part I think they will shut down. Right. I don't think that's forever. I think that, I think that, and that's fine. Well, again, I think, I think that's just the way it goes. I don't think they're ever going to shut them down. I think they'll just delist the games that they lose licenses for. But if they don't lose the license for certain games, I think they'll just keep them up indefinitely. Like, yeah, especially non, you know, licensed game stuff. So last quick question before we go comes to us from Court Lalonde on discord who asks with Xbox making accessibility features a priority in their first party games. Do you think we'll ever see the gaming landscape where all games have a standard of accessibility features. So yeah, I think we're kind of moving in that direction already court. We're seeing it with a lot of third party games and with Microsoft first party stuff. I think with each new first party release, I've been seeing more and more accessibility options in every game. So I imagine we reach a standard with first party games eventually where here are all, here's a list of all the accessibility features you need to meet for your game in order to be on our platform. I think that's that's kind of the direction we're moving in. And uh, yeah, I think Microsoft's front and center with, with the, you know, the um, adaptive controller with a whole bunch of other stuff that they're doing. They're kind of forward thinker, thinkers with a lot of accessibility stuff. So I, I think that in the future, there's going to be a, a standard that they have for all first party games. But Sean, what do you think about this question? First party, for sure. I'm right with you. There was a story that we didn't cover, but Forza Horizon 5 introduced sign language support through in-game scenes. That is bonkers. That is so awesome. And yeah, I think that we are going to see that it's just, this is not a fad. This is not a trend. This is serious. And it is, it, it just aligns with their whole, sounds so marketing, but like when everybody plays, like when everybody has a chance to, you know, just play the games that we all get to play, we don't think about these things. I love that this is a thing. I don't know if it's, if there will ever be a standard across games. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think that there's ever going to be not just for accessibility, but almost for anything. You know, like crossplay and all these things. I think there was a story about Phil Spencer wanted to like extend bans. Like if you if you had a lifetime ban from a from one platform, that you should be banned from all platforms. I I don't even know if that's a good idea. Mm. Um, but I don't think they're they're going to establish that either. So, but what I do think is, unfortunately or fortunately, it's a business decision. If there's money to be made by supporting accessibility, if there's something there, then yeah, then it becomes a standard pretty quickly. Um, but it is especially for smaller teams it is a a barrier to entry Mm. to do that. I don't think that it can be like required for everybody because it's just, yeah, yeah, you're going to have to, how are you, how is every big game going to have sign language, for example? Like, I just don't think that's possible. Mm. Uh, I wish that was the case, but realistically, pragmatically, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think with first party stuff in particular, I think there'll be like a list of like five or four specific things, but like, yeah, with a yep. bunch of extra features that are game specific, they won't do something like that. But anyways, we got to go, Sean, but before we go, Sean, plugs go. Tune in on March 6th, Gaming for Guru, twitch.tv slash Sean Capri. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Capri, Sean like Connery, Capri like the pants. Donate as generously as you can. $10 gets you an entry. Uh, and for every other $10, you get another entry as well. Win a switch bit.ly slash guru 2022. That's it for me, my friend. Very nice. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You can find us on Twitter at Yumi Capri's on YouTube at youtube.com slash Yumi Capri and on podcast services around the globe. So 
For Sean Capri, I'm Ryan Tiffer. This has been episode 229 of the Xbox Drive, and we out. Bye. There is an absolutely giant puddle of water that's sitting on my laminate floor that I think is soaking into it. There might have damaged the floor permanently. I'm going to go grab a, a, a towel and clean this up, so hopefully I can not damage my floor, Ryan Tiffer. I can go on forever. Yeah! The Xbox Drive is fueled by patrons at patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. And from the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful to the more than 70 patrons who support us each and every month with a special thanks to our Capremium producers, Dallas Ford, Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team. You can join me and the rest of the Phoenix Overdrive team at extra-life.org and raise money for the kids. And Jonathan Brown, the man behind the music on this show and the Nintendo Drive, you can download his latest album, In My Element, on Spotify and Apple Music. Our platinum producers, Robbie Bobby Miller and Trucker Sloth, and all of our gold members, Argo, Brendan Myers, Dallas Robbins, Dano, Emily O'Kelly, Foolish Fuji, Joel Brooks, Jose Jimenez, Mac Time, Marcus O'Neill, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, RJ Kern, Skinny Matt, Tony Baker, and Xavier Reyes. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Capri and choose the tier that works for you.